Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Uh, it could have been an interesting sermon this morning uh, because um, I arrived at the church and uh, got everything organized, took my glasses case out of my pocket, opened the glasses case, and there were no glasses in there. So I don't know where Joe got these from, but they work. So thank you. <laughs> thank you very much, Joe. <laughs> so it could have been an interesting sermon. Anyway, I want you, I'm going to flash back again. You, you all know that I love Her Majesty the Queen, um, or the late Her Majesty the Queen, and the monarchy. I want, you, I want to take yourselves back to the funeral, if you watched it on television. And uh, you'll remember that the uh, guardsmen uh, carried the coffin up the steps. They made it look very easy, but actually it was very difficult because the coffin is lead-lined. It's very, very heavy. That's the only way they can uh, keep the body from decomposing and starting to smell when you leave it there for so long for people to go past. So they, they, they walked up the steps, making it look like it was very, very easy. And then they got to the entrance of the church. Now, if you can remember that moment, they stood, they're all standing there, and a hush falls on the church. Complete silence. I mean, it was, a, it was a noisy hush. I mean, it struck me, it hit me. And then, out of nowhere, the choir just filled the cathedral with the words of Jesus. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Shall never die. Shall never die. I noticed it, said it three times. This is uh, Anglican, Orthodox Anglican liturgy at its best. Here you have a dead body at the entrance of the church, and here you have the words of Jesus, I am the resurrection and the life. Wow, that was powerful. And that takes us to the gospel today, because there we have a funeral. It wasn't six guardsmen, but it was just, I don't know who it was, but they were carrying this dead son of a widow to bury him. And on the way, they meet Jesus, or Jesus meets them, and he tells them to stop, and they stop. And he raises the boy to life. Now just imagine if um, halfway up the steps into the cathedral, Jesus had appeared and stopped the guardsmen and said, just stop a moment, and he raised Her Majesty the Queen to life. Just imagine the impact that would have had around the world. Everybody watching on TV, I think they said there were three billion people watching or something. Wow, I mean, if I was God, I probably would have organized that. <laughs> There's your evangelism done for a whole generation. <laughs> but in this case, um, there was just a, a family group and, and the people from the town. But can you see the impact it would have had on the people who were there? They weren't going to keep quiet about what had happened. This had not happened since Elijah and Elisha had been alive, and that was 900 years before. That was the last time that they actually raised, somebody had raised anybody from the dead. 
So the impact was tremendous. And this went out into the whole area. This is from Galilee right through uh, the whole of Israel. And people got the message that this man is a prophet. In fact, at the end of the gospel, at the end of the gospel, it says uh, God is among us. God is with us. So they realized this is something special. And that's why people thought maybe this is the Messiah who's coming here today. Now, a few things have come together today which have made me think to talk about a particular topic. And that is, um, we just had a memorial. On Monday this week, we buried our beloved sister, um, Mary Malik, who many of us know here. It was a very sad time. And um, Father Nicholas sent me, Father Nicholas is my researcher. He sends me all sorts of articles, which he finds online. And um, if there's any interesting ones, he sends them to me. And he sent me one this week, which was called Evangelical Gnosticism. <laughs> Evangelical Gnosticism. And it was written by a lecturer in a university in the United States. And um, she's a university uh, lecturer at an evangelical college. And she discovered that 80% of her students actually had what we, call, what we call a platonic belief about life after death. In other words, when we die, the body is, it dissolves and the spirit is free. It's not imprisoned anymore. We're released. This is to, what a blessing. And um, we go off and live forever as a spirit. But this is not Christianity. This is not orthodox Christianity. Because remember, at the, at the end of the creed, we say every week, can you remember how it goes? I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the age to come. The resurrection of the dead. That's not looking for the resurrection of Jesus. That's looking for the resurrection of us. And it's not... It's not a spiritual resurrection. It's a bodily resurrection. We're going to get new bodies as well as... Um, um, yeah, we're going to get new bodies. That's what we're going to get, right? That's the main thing I want to say today. And we must understand this. Christianity uh, does not see death as a good thing, as a release. It's a destroyer. I mean, just imagine somebody who's paralyzed and can't do much. What's, you know, the, the, they, can't, they can't sort of feed themselves, they can't walk or anything like that. Well, imagine us without a body. Without a body, we can't do anything. We can't do things, we can't make things. Um, we can't relate to each other. We've got to have bodies. The, the definition of death is the separation of the soul from the body. So that is the whole person, the soul and the body. We can't uh, manage without our bodies. You know what I mean? The trouble is, the problem in, in this life is that our bodies cause us problems, right? They, they have passions and we have to fight them and we have to struggle and we think, oh, I wish I could get rid of this body, then I'd be free of it, it'd be wonderful. 
But what's happening is, it's like when I first uh, had a, my first car. You know, it was a bit of an old banger, uh, or jalopy. And I, I didn't buy a Rolls Royce for my first car, <laughs> because I was kind of bumping into things occasionally and, and things like that. So you, we're practicing, you practice on an old car. And God is giving us a life of practice in these bodies which cause us problems. But when we get our new bodies, they're going to be perfect bodies. They're going to be like Jesus' body in Proverbs, um, sorry, not Proverbs, Philippians 3.21. He will change our lowly body to be like his glorious body. And John 5, the hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear Jesus' voice and come forth to the resurrection of life. Right, okay, so we're going to get new bodies. I heard of a dwarf once who used to cry when he'd think about his new body in heaven. Can you, you can imagine that. The thing I'm looking forward to most is that I won't need glasses. <laughs> so I won't forget them. So it's something to look forward to one day. Sorry? You want, to see if, you want to see if it's true? It is true. Do you know why it's true? We know it's true, because Jesus rose from the dead. That's the proof. Yes. Yeah, well, at the second coming, when the world comes to an end, then Jesus comes back, then we get our new bodies. And our bodies, our new bodies, are connected to our current bodies. We'll be able to recognize each other. Now, Mary Malek, uh, Helen produced a beautiful little sheet about it for her funeral. And on the front, they had a picture of her now, or just before she died. And on the back, they had a picture of her at her wedding 50 years ago. She was a stunner. <laughs> she really was a stunner. And you looked at the two, and you think, is it the same person? But when you look carefully, yes, you can see it's the same person. Now, science tells us that... Um, all, all of you who've been married uh, more than seven years, you're not married to the same body that you were married to before. Because <laughs> they say that in every seven years, all the, yeah, all the body changes. Every seven years. Only the good people get, well, that's, yes, that's another story. But what I'm, what I'm trying to get across today is, we have to understand this Christian understanding that it's not when we die, like Mary hasn't just gone off into nowhere forever. She will one day be raised. When Jesus comes back, she will be raised from the dead and she will have a new body. And so will we in the future. And we won't need glasses. Uh, we won't need walking sticks. We won't need walkers or anything like that. So this is, yes. Okay, right. Very good. So this is why we are motivated to live good lives now. Okay. I want to say one more thing here. It, it sounds like a bit of a sidetrack, but it's not. Um, Ephesians 2.1. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. This was St. Paul writing to the Ephesians. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. <clears throat> what does that mean? <coughs> what does it mean to be dead in trespasses and sins? 
I was thinking about this, and I thought, the, the boy on the bier being carried to be buried in the city of Nain is us, really. And Jesus came along and raised him from the dead. Now, what do I mean by this? The boy didn't ask for Jesus' help. He was dead. He didn't earn anything. He didn't do anything to make Jesus come to him. He was dead. And this is what St. Paul means when he says we are dead in trespasses and sins. The reason we're here this morning is not because we're good or because we've earned anything. We're here today because Jesus met us on our journey, on, our, on this journey of death through this world, and he met us and gave us life. Can you understand that? There's a wonderful story in, um, I don't know if you've, uh, if you've read the uh, Narnia Chronicles. We read them to our children when they were younger. Lovely stories. And there's one by C.S. Lewis. And uh, there's one book called The Silver Chair. And in The Silver Chair, there's two people, Eunice and uh, Jill. Eustace and Jill, sorry. And they want to go to Narnia. Narnia represents heaven. And they wanted to meet uh, Aslan, the lion, who represents Christ. And they didn't know how to do it, so they were thinking, well, how should we do it? We'll draw some circles on the ground and stand in them and jump around. Um, and then eventually they, they held out their hands and said, you know, we want to go to Narnia, please help us to get there. And they got there. They got there. And there's a lovely, by the, at the beginning of the second chapter of the silver chair, you find that Jill is talking to Aslan the lion. And she says to him, you know, we asked to come here. And um, Aslan said to him, said to her, in fact, I'll quote it from, from uh, C.S. Lewis's book, because it's quite important. Uh, he said, oh, sorry, Jill said, Jill said, we weren't summoned, we asked to come here. And Aslan said to Jill, uh, you, would not be, you would not have been asking to come to me unless I had been asking you to come to myself. Very, very clever um, words there from C.S. Lewis. He understood that all of us are here today not because we studied and we uh, researched and we decided this is the best way to go. We're here because Jesus met us, met us on our journey and found us and gave us life like that young boy in the procession to bury him uh, in the city of Nain. Now, what's our response to that? What's our response to that? Well, I can just imagine the boy sitting up going, oh, wow, I must get down to Tut's Lotto today because if I don't get there straight away, you know, I'll miss the... No, no. What, what, would be, what would have been his response, do you think? And his mother's response? Oh, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So how do we say thank you to God? Well, this service, what's this service called? It's called the liturgy or the Eucharist. What's Eucharist mean? It comes from the Greek word Eucharisto, which means thanksgiving. Yeah. No, Eucharisto, I want the thanksgiving. So this is a service of thanksgiving. So if we are like this young boy who's been raised from the dead, we're going to be thankful to Jesus for the rest of our lives. We will be here on Sunday morning to say thank you to Jesus every Sunday, unless we're sick, or unless we're maybe on holiday and there's no church nearby.
but otherwise we're here to say thank you to Jesus. Yes, that's the first thing. The two other things, very, very quickly, and then we finish, and they're in the epistle. Um, oh, actually, uh, the other thing you can do is say morning prayer every day. Because the second prayer of morning prayer, it says, arising from sleep, I thank you. So it's the second prayer. First words. Yep. Every day. That's it. That's it. So every day we say thank you, and then Sunday especially. Now the other two things uh, are found in, in the um, epistle, where it says, Therefore, uh, go out from among them, be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing. Then I will welcome you, and I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and flesh. So first of all, we have to cleanse ourselves of all uncleanness. So that means choices. We don't watch pornography. We don't steal. We don't lie. All these sorts of things. Uh, we choose against doing these things which pollute our souls. First thing. That's all I'm going to say. Second thing. It says, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. The J.B. Phillips translation says, consecrating, consecrating ourselves to him completely. It's not just enough to say, no, 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 no. We also have to say, yes, 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 to God. So we have to draw near to God, and draw closer to Christ. How do we do all this? Well, cafes, confession, almsgiving, fasting, Eucharist, part of it, scriptures, saints, all undergirded by prayer. This is how we're going to do it. Shortly next month, very, in a few weeks' time, we're going to start a series when we're going to go through cafes again to remind ourselves as to how we can do this, to cleanse ourselves and to consecrate ourselves because we are thankful and because we want to get those new bodies one day when Jesus returns. And I certainly do, so I don't have to take glasses with me everywhere. Amen? May to God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit be ascribed all might, majesty, dominion and praise, now and forever and to the ages of ages. Rejoice, o Lord.